All right, welcome into another episode of the Roger of just of the without a mic podcast with Roger and Spencer. We started off calling it the Roger and Spencer podcast, but we changed it, and I think that was for the better. But um, I actually made a mistake. Our last podcast, we uh, I told you it was episode five. This is actually episode five. We were so excited about this episode that we jumped the gun. So the last episode was four. This one's five, and it's our first of the year. And we will be reviewing Spider-Man No Way Home specifically in this. And I just want to make a quick disclaimer. We'll put it in the description too, but this will have spoilers. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, pause it now, go see the movie, and then come back and check back in with us to hear our thoughts on it. Yeah, this is this is probably going to be the the biggest film of 2020, I guess you could say, or 2021 heading into 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited. If you listen to our last podcast, I mean, you'll know that Roger and I put Spider-Man No Way Home at the top of our list. Number one, um, you know, almost interchangeable with Dune, but I think we both agreed that it was the number one film of the year. But it doesn't mean that there's no cons. I mean, I, I actually put down some some things that I, I wish were different, some things that I wish they changed. So I think we'll go over a little bit of pros and cons. A couple points, a couple interesting questions that I have for Roger, maybe he has for me. But yeah. I'm excited, man. Yeah, let's, let's chat about Spider-Man No Way Home. Get right to it. All right. I think just to kind of start, because there's a lot to talk about, obviously, this is a, a coming together of a lot of different franchises characters movies storylines um i guess just to spitball it what's sort of your first impression of the movie just fresh off the off the take yeah i think this is and funny i think this is actually a good thing and a bad thing but the first thing that comes to my mind is nostalgia um Mm -hmm. and you know i think i think marvel really maximized the nostalgia aspect that we're living in um if you Mm -hmm. think about it you have the Matrix movies, you have, you know, even the old Rocky Balboa movies, you have so many films that are making new film because of the nostalgia aspect that we love so much. And I think a part of that was very enjoyable. And then a part of that was almost difficult to separate from the logistics of the film, you know, and how good it really was because you feel so much from what you love. I mean, to just cut, you know, the cord, I mean, seeing Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, along with all the other villains from the older films, enter this one was probably one of the most incredible experiences as a viewer, because only off of nostalgia. It's not even off of like, oh, that they introduced it so well. It was more, you wanted to see it because you missed them. So nostalgia mm-hmm. was the number one thing that came to my mind. And I thought they did a great job of introducing it. I just also think it made it a little tough to separate how well this film actually, you know, was made compared to um, how it could have been made without it. Yeah, no, I I think that's a fantastic point. And I think that as far as critique, if you take out, like you said, the nostalgia and critique the film, the storyline, all that stuff, it, it does make it hard to separate your emotion from, I guess, the logistical side of things. But I mean, to its credit, though, I mean, there's not a lot of movies that give that you know, have the audience going through that emotional experience that, that I think No Way Home did. Um, I think I, I think there's so few movies that these days get people as excited and involved in the movie. You know, most of the people that I've talked to that have seen it 
audience have been cheering, they've been crying, they've been clapping, you know, things like that, that typically, you know, maybe people cheer at the beginning of a movie if they're excited for it. But you, throughout the movie, you don't really have all those interactive moments where you feel like, you know, the audience is experiencing all these emotions with you in an outward expression. Um, which I think some, I, I personally find that sort of annoying in most movie theaters. Like, I'm like, okay, be quiet. Let's, let me enjoy it. But I think in this case, it's really understandable. It's, it's, I kind of compared it to that scene at the end of Avengers Endgame when all the circles start opening up and everyone comes back. I think that's the only movie in recent history that I can think of that gave the same sort of feeling experience. Um, and No Way Home did it, you know, twice, three times. So um, I think yeah. that that's one of its strong, biggest strengths is, you know, kind of it brings the audience together. Um, another potential you know, problem with it too, is you can't really enjoy that to the full effect if you haven't seen all the other previous movies, which it's not like yeah. it's one or two sequels. It's it's literally, what is it? Seven other movies that you have to have seen. Yeah, it's it's three Tobey Maguire films, two Andrew Garfield films, and then however many Tom Holland films that, you know, there's Civil War, both of there's and both Spider-Mans. So Tom Holland in five films. If I might be missing one, but that he's in five. I think that's I understand correct. Before there entering ten. this one, so this is what his sixth. I mean, so that's the movie eleven. Yeah, to your, yeah, exactly. So to your point, though, so the first the first time I went to watch it, I I bought the IMAX ticket. I made sure that you know it was prime time, great movie theater, and I it was packed right and then the second time I went I went to a really small Cinemark theater that wasn't at all and I wanted to kind of kind of feel the energy from both and mm -hmm. it's funny because you go from one where the energy is so loud you know in those moments people are cheering and it's special it, like it's honestly a special moment as a viewer when it's necessary and during this film it was necessary and it's also fun being in a small theater and the same exact thing happened with four or five people in a the theater compared to a hundred. And so I would say, I, I always tell, you know, I think you know this, I tell people that if I watch a film and I immediately say, I need to go see that again, immediately tomorrow, you know, next week, that to me is a good indication that it's probably a good film. And that mm -hmm. the immediate thought I had when I watched Spider-Man No Way Home is I said, oh my God, I need to go back and I want to go back tomorrow and I need to see this film again. So it had the right energy. I mean, Marvel was so smart with what they did. And I tell, you know, even with the critiques that I have, the things that they did, I don't know if they could have done it any other way. So though I would have wanted them to change certain things, I don't know if it would come together the way it did if they made it any other way. Yeah, I think, I think this is a good point to sort of I think there's a lot of positives. Obviously, we both ranked this our, our best film of the year last year, but let's maybe go through for a little bit some of the critiques that we had um, before we dive into positives, since I think there's a lot more steam there. So uh, what were some of your main critiques or, or how, whatever your critiques were, what, what kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I had three. So and I'll, I'll, I'll list the three and then I'll kind of explain why I said them. So the multiverse, I had that as one. And then I had, um, I titled it as one movie. <laughs> I had that in another. 
And then uh, the third one was CGI moments. And so I'll, I'll actually start with the multiverse. I thought this was such a unique concept that they probably wouldn't have introduced in, in this film if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield didn't agree to be in this film because I, I just don't think it would have come together to bring back old villains and not bring back the old heroes. And, yeah. and it worked because they brought them back, but it didn't work because they didn't expand on the actual multiverse. So I think Doctor Strange's multiverse movie is going to be exceptional because they're actually going to explain the multiverse where in this one, they introduced it and it should have been a main plot, but because of the old Spider-Man and the old Spider-Man villains, they had no time to expand on it. So I almost thought they, they almost, they kind of half-assed it a little bit and mm -hmm. it was necessary because that, that wasn't going to be the main plot. So I kind of had the multiverse listed. I had one movie listed. I really think they could have done this in two films. I thought they had enough that they actually expanded a little bit on the multiverse. They could have expanded on the character arcs of the villains a little bit more. I thought Tom Holland's character arc was exceptional in this film compared to his others. Um, but I thought they had enough juice and enough content that they actually could have made two films and had the first film end where they introduced Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and then make a whole second film, you know, afterwards. But I mean, that's kind of a personal opinion. They didn't do anything wrong. I just felt with right. so much info, they could have expanded it. And then with minor CGI moments, I, I only noticed it towards the end. I mean, they did so much with green screens that it was bound to happen. I mean, Willem Dafoe's head was like a blob of CGI at the end when he was in the background. And I don't know, I, I say that as a critique because this is a multi-billion dollar company who is running this. And so those are things that I think they, they could touch upon, but not anything that's gonna take it away from being my number one film of the year. But what about you, man? Do you have specific cons or things that you wish they would have changed? Um, yeah, I think I think it's really interesting that um, I, I, I liked your point about the multiverse not being super explained. And I think, I think the point of this movie, kind of coming back to our original point, like the nostalgia that you feel was more important than the explanation. I think that's sort of the decision they had to make because they could make this more of a technical movie where it's, it explains everything and leaves you feeling like smarter, I guess, about the whole situation, or it can leave you feeling good about the whole experience. And I think they made the right choice, but I think with that, there were some plot holes that kind of opened up. Like, for example, Jamie Foxx was brought in. He never really knew. He never knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So, um, there, I mean, there were some small plot holes. Um, the more you dig into it, um, there's also a little bit of, like, if everyone's forgetting Peter Parker was Spider-Man, you know, there's some disconnect there as well. Um but I think overall, most of my most of the things I picked out, like you said, the CGI couple guffaws were very minor, nothing that detracted from the overall experience. And I think um, not only will Multiverse of Madness probably explain things better, but I think also going back, you probably are better off watching What If to sort of supplement that knowledge, because mm. What If just mm. sort of became okay. What If became a lot more important after this movie and after seeing the multiverse of madness trailer um 
what if has already been out there for a couple months and the multiverse of madness trailer was released after the movie came out but it's one of the two end credit scenes but um there's an alternate sort of messed up evil doctor strange multiverse version of him that shows up that also originated in what if so i think that's actually going to be more doctor strange's story is going to explain the multiverse i think spider-man has been affected by the multiverse and we saw into the spider-verse sort of do this already um and i think they actually did a better job in into the spider-verse it, it made more sense and i think the story like yeah behooved the multiverse coming in and sort of being playing a major role in that better than this i think here is just a means to an end to get these characters on screen and then send them back um but i i think i think all of it could have been done a little bit differently but it's just a difference of opinion at this point like like you like you said too I, yeah. i'm not going to fault them for the way they did it i think it was fine um but i think there were some things they could have put a little more detail in like you said it is marvel we have really high expectations this film obviously had really high expectations and so uh, i think i think they got what they needed to write i think that's that's the bottom line all well, the what's 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 a positive i would say with plot holes cuz you know plots in the story are obviously a negative but what's nice mm -hmm. is when they say yeah but we just signed tom holland on for three more solo films and we could fill in those plot holes anytime we want. So if it was the last yeah. film, th then I think that's a problem. But the fact mm -hmm. that they are making more, they have every excuse to say, yeah, but we're going to expand on that in the fourth. Oh, no, we're going to expand on that in the fifth. You know, so that I, I will say is a positive for them. And to your point, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the cartoon, they had no nostalgia to worry about. So they were able to explain right. it and kind of get you involved with the with the multiverse Whereas this one, they had to fight between introducing this brand new concept, but we're also bringing back the whole reason we're making this film. And so we need you to focus on one and you're, it's definitely gonna be focused on Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So I, I think your points are valid with that. I would say for me, the major, major pro of this film was the character arcs. I mean, we talked about it, but Willem, Willem Dafoe, I, I am so substantially disimpressed with his performance as Green Goblin because it 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 takes his entire first performance out. Like he did so well. He was so, so creepy, so fearful. Like his performance was phenomenal. And then I would say Tom Holland, we didn't get a lot of deeper emotions in the first two films. And I think he expressed deeper emotions in this film compared to the last. So those two really stuck out to me, I would say, in regards to pros. And um, the one other, I guess, pro I was thinking about is their expanded camera opportunity that they took. Um, so there's one in where, where Peter Parker is feeling that ting Peter tingle, um, pretty much a spider sense. And it was one of the best scenes in the entire film, in my opinion, when he's in, the, in Happy's apartment complex and the way the camera work happened and the way that they use like their lenses to make him very, very like upfront, but they, they widened everything else. They made you almost feel this anxiety, but like this like impulsive anxiety. And I loved it. I was like, wow, this is different. And they haven't done this in Andrew Garfield films. I really enjoyed like the point of view. 
camera work that they did where they had you like as Spider-Man, you know, mm -hmm. using the webs and they haven't really done that in this. And so when they, I was like, oh, okay, like they're, they're kind of stepping outside of their, their comfort zone a little bit, but those were kind of major pros that stuck out to me. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest pro for me also was just I, another, another, you know, obviously William Defoe is going to get a lot of, um, praise for how well he did and well-deserved. I think Alfred Molina also did a fantastic job as Doc Ock. I think, I, I think it's fair to say those were the two big ones in the movie because for me, at least, those were the two that I identified the most with from the original Spider-Man movies. And, um, you know, Sandman was fine. And, and obviously they made Electro a lot more involved, I think. Uh, but I didn't, he, he was more involved and so I paid more attention to him. But if you took those five, Lizard, Electro, um, Sandman, Doc Ock, and Green Goblin, definitely Doc Ock and Green Goblin are the two big ones from the bunch. And I think yep. they featured them both in different ways very well. Um, they got the screen time they needed. Um, I could have cared less about Sandman and Lizard. And honestly, Electro wasn't as big a deal to me. But the, I mean, I could see why they made him more prominent. Um, but I think just the the balance that they had with the different characters and letting them develop, I guess, I guess my point's the same as yours, but the character development and also the way they allowed them to sort of develop naturally. Um, and another great uh, performance was once again, Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny because there's so many great performances that you forget about some of them because there were, other ones that were just much bigger obviously green goblin i think was the best but um yeah dr strange or benedict cumberbatch you know alfred molina you know all these all these characters that kind of had minor sort of roles throughout the movie they all did fantastic jobs marissa tomei did a great job um you know i, I can't there's no weak acting spot in this movie i think that's that's a part of the what makes it so great it's weird too is and I know I've said this before is how minimal that role from Benedict Cumberbatch seemed but he is one of the most underrated actors to in today's day and age I mean we we're talking about you know his films the, the uh, power of the dog I think that's what's called I can't remember um, yeah yeah we were talking about that last he's, he's he's getting high praise for so many films and his his dynamic that he has you know playing um this i forgot the name but the snake in Mowgli, or um oh. playing the grinch like his voice acting is also exceptional because he's able to kind of make wow. this range of like really creepy yeah yeah there you go and so i thought that was impressive i was a little confused why the sandman wasn't there physically but it was actually him in the end like the actual actor and so i didn't know why he wasn't there physically throughout the film why he was sand the whole time i did I was kind of, I was like, he's physical in Spider-Man 3, but he's not physical in this one until the very end where you see him and it is him. I thought they just did that because they couldn't get the real actor to come back. And then you find out that it, he, it's him the whole time. I think this is just my thought, but I think he's harder to damage while he's in his sand form. So I, especially with being in a new environment, um, I think that's probably where he felt safest, but one interesting thing that they did in Into the Spider-Verse was obviously like 
throughout the movie that they had these like glitches, you know, where the, the non oh yeah. native multiverse people were sort of glitching out and you know, I guess that didn't really happen in this movie. It was just kind of like a well, if you don't make it back, like you just stay here. So I think I think that's something that maybe they could have done a little bit better on, like having a little more urgency because all the villains were like, Well, we'll just stay and it's like, All right, you know. But um Yeah. I think one one really strong part of the movie as well was just the the execution of the humor. Yes. Because there was a there were so many jokes and references and Easter eggs and, you know, so many things. And I think they were all, it never felt like overdone, I guess. There's never a point where I was like, oh man, like this is just so corny or so like, you know, desperate, <laughs> you know, everything felt in its place at the right time, the right moment and really took advantage of that. Um, I, I thought that was one of the best parts of the film. Well, they- they brought in the they they brought in like memes, but made them so organic. You know, like the the Willem Dafoe, like, hey, you know, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. You know, that meme that's <laughs> been going around, and then the 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 Spider-Man pointing at each other. They didn't put them in suits and make it like very mm-hmm. obvious. They like they're kind of like, wait, who, which which one? Like, are you talking about me? And I was I was like, I like that they're making this very natural not saying, oh, we're going to just replicate all these memes and put them directly in this movie. Um, I would say one of, uh, probably the most interesting thing that I learned about this film is that, that Tobey Maguire, same age in this film as Willem Dafoe was in Spider-Man 1. Dang, That's, that dates him. He's, so, I mean, he's getting yeah, older. That, that, makes me, that makes me feel old, so I can't imagine how old him feel. You know, because Willem Dafoe looked old in the in first Spider-Man. Oh yeah, I mean he's, I mean William Dafoe has done a lot of work, obviously with with different movies, and he's a very versatile actor. But I feel like Tobey Maguire has had more of a, you know, he he kind of plays the Peter Parker guy in a lot of the stuff he's been in. Like that's he does he does. He's I I wouldn't call him a diverse actor, but that does date him quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, I think we can get into this a little bit more, but one of the questions that I wanted to, to sort of pose to you was what was your favorite moment of the film? Ooh, I think the moment that I look forward to when, like, because I've only seen it twice and I kind of I haven't seen more than that, but mm-hmm. I feel like the, the moment I keep looking forward to, obviously, like, you admire those moments with Toby and Andrew coming in. But right. I, I think I think that entire like once that spider uh, sense came in or that Peter tingle, that scene all the way until the end of his fight um, with with Green Goblin was probably my favorite because you see this like you see Willem his element. I mean that was one of his one of his you know one of his uh what do you what am I trying to say one of the things that he said hey I'll come back but only if I can you know actually do my own stunts and I thought it was impressive because you yeah you see him fighting that entire time and then you see the creepiest part of the entire film you know when when Peter Parker or when Spider-Man punching him in the face and he just is smiling and laughing and he's loving it and you're just like holy shit this is like Joker you know Joker-esque and so I'd say that was probably my favorite scene, even though I live for those nostalgic moments of seeing Andrew for the first time, seeing you know Toby for the first time. But what about you, man? 
Um, honestly, my favorite scene was the scene where uh, MJ falls and and uh, Toby, well, not Toby McGuire, sorry, uh, Tom Holland trying to save her, but he gets pushed to the side, and Andrew Garfield gets to to sort of relive the super tragic scene from his storyline where Gwen Stacy is falling, but he ends up failing to save her and she dies. And he gets to save MJ in the same way that he tried to save Gwen. I thought, I thought that was such a healing, redemptive moment. Um, and it made me like get emotional, but I think, I think, you know, there was all this, you know, fun and there was all this like action, but I think on the bottom surface level, like that's sort of what this, what the message was here for me was like that redemption, the second chances, like healing all these villains from their different afflictions, giving them a second chance. You know, Andrew Garfield gets a second chance. You know, Tobey Maguire, you know, he's been doing his own thing, but he gets to come in and kind of mentor these other Spider-Man. He gets a second chance. You know, Tom Holland in the end, like even despite everyone getting their mind, their memories wiped, and he's you know it's you know a, a nobody now in their minds you know, he gets a second chance. Um, so I think, I mean, MJ and, and Ned, they get accepted to MIT. They get a second chance. So I think the whole story was about second chances. I think that was the message I got from it. Um, and I think there was no better embodiment of that than Andrew Garfield getting that redemptive second chance to save someone, um, which had been something that had been haunting him ever since that happened in his, in his sequel. Yeah, Andrew Garfield's probably the most wholesome character in this entire film. You know, I feel like you feel oh, yeah. you feel the most like I don't know, the most like deep sad emotions with him and then like the highest highs with him. You know, him mm -hmm. saving MJ, you're like that's probably the high of the movie. And then like talking about Gwen and like not talking about her, you know he's thinking about her and he has those facial expressions. That's like the most wholesome sad feeling that you have. Oh, I think that's honestly, you know, the whole positive rumor of him coming back for the amazing Spider-Man three, which yeah. I fully think is going to happen. Um, and I, and I hope it does. I, I think he's a great actor. I think he did great in his films. I thought they just portrayed the films a little bit off and that's not his fault. I mean, he was super comedic. He was very, you know, enjoyable to watch. He was kind of a little bit on the cool side, which I thought was a little weird, but Ultimately, I heated well in a bad universe, and so I hope they they give him a, a third shot, fix those tweaks a little bit. But I, I really like him as a Spider-Man, so I hope that they do something with him. Yeah, he's always been my favorite of the three as Spider-Man. I think he's the most true to who Spider-Man actually is, and um, I think I think Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker. And I think Tom Holland was a better Spider-Man. And I think Andrew Garfield was the perfect balance of both. Um, and I mean, in the, in the comics, at least, and in, in Spider-Man lore, Spider-Man's actually a hilarious character. Like he's, he's joking around all the time. He's super funny, he's super witty. Um, I felt like Tobey Maguire's was just very corny and kind of whiny. He was, he was more Peter Parker than Spider-Man most of the time. And then Tom yeah. Holland, Tom Holland, Tom Holland is almost apologetically funny. Like he's not cracking jokes and stuff. He's almost like, you know, sorry. You know, he like punches someone says sorry. And we think that's funny, but it's not just because he's witty and funny. And I think 
you know, Andrew Garfield, I always think of the scene with the guy with the knife and he's like, oh no, tiny knives, my, you know, my weakness. And he's like, he just webs him up. He's like, come on, man, what are you trying to do here? That's like what Spider-Man is <laughs> to me in my head. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, he's almost, he's like up there with Deadpool as far as humor goes. So like, when I think of that, I think of Andrew Garfield. Well, and it's, it's funny because people will probably say, are you serious? But then if I, w- I rewatched all the Spider-Mans before I went to see this film and, right. and you're completely right. I mean, he's so funny and he's mm-hmm. still likable, you know, because of mm-hmm. his humor. Um, and it's funny because as Peter Parker, he's not super funny, but as Spider-Man, he's really funny, like super weird. Yeah. You know, when he puts on the, the mask and, you know, the suit, then he becomes this like different person. And I, and I loved that about him. There was one scene with him as Peter Parker that I genuinely enjoyed. And that was the second film where he like disguises or he like distracts the guys going after Gwen Stacy. And he he, like trips him with like the coffee in his hand. And he like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that film, that, that scene, but it was so like well orchestrated with him and his humor that I thought it fit. And so I, I feel like as a, maybe a somewhat of a segue, just cause we're talking about like, oh, maybe like your favorite Spider-Man, like best Spider-Man. I got to ask you, where does this rank? We know how it was in 2021 as film, but where does this film rank for Spider-Man films and for Marvel films, like Marvel Cinematic Universe films? So honestly, I still favor Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse over as my number one Spider-Man film of all time. I think there's just so much about that movie that is like, I kind of mentioned this last episode, but sometimes I think it's more interesting to like learn how things are made than to watch the actual thing. And I, there's videos on YouTube and things like that, but into the Spider-Verse used different animation styles for each Spider-Man and brought it all together. And they layered like art on top of um, animation and, and things like that. So I think, the uh, sort of that artistic masterpiece, plus just the storyline, you know, all that stuff, I think was just perfect. Um, and so I'm super excited for Across the Spider-Verse coming out this year. Um, I would definitely put No Way Home second. Um, I think I think it's undeniably the best live action one. Um, although you do have to see everything else to fully appreciate it. Um, and I still... I, I don't know. I like the original Spider-Man one with Tobey Maguire. I think Green Goblin was my favorite villain. And I just like seeing him on the screen. Um, I love the Andrew Garfield ones, but I think you mentioned this. I, I think they, not his fault. He did a great individual performance, but I think those movies overall were lacking. And um, I think Tobey Maguire's villains were better um, in his series. And so that made those movies more enjoyable for me. I think the villains were a little bit weaker in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And then I like Tom Holland, but I think, again, his villains were kind of weak. Um, Michael Keaton as the Vulture did a great job, but I felt like the second one, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal did an okay job, but it wasn't super memorable in my opinion. That that movie was kind of all over the place. So I would say I, I always like to go to movies for the villains. Um, I always root for the villains because I think you know, everyone wants to root for the heroes and they do a great job, of course, but I think the villain makes the hero um, more than the hero makes the villain. And so though that would be sort of my ranking um, would be into the Spider-Verse, uh, No Way Home, and then 
from there, it's sort of like, what's my favorite villain? In that case, it'd be Green Goblin. would probably make it that my third favorite. Um, favorite Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. Tom Holland's were sort of a good in-between. What about you? Well I'm, well, I'm also curious, what about Marvel rankings? Do you also have Into the Spider-Verse 1? Or, or do you have, what, Infinity War or, or a film up there? Yeah, Infinity Wars is my number one. Um, I think... I think the best Marvel movies are the ones where they make they humanize the villain and make them relatable. I think Infinity War was the best bringing like you saw Thanos in a way that made you identify with him. You could understand the pain that he was going through like trying to do what he did, but he genuinely thought it was for the right reason. And I think in Endgame, because they reset the clock and it was like an older version of him, he just kind of became a generic villain that I no longer identified with. But, you know, sacrificing Gamora, you know, sacrificing all these people, like the pain of losing his own world, I think that is what made Infinity War my favorite. Um, I think, I, I didn't love Black Panther as a movie as my favorite, but I think the same thing happened with Killmonger, you know. He'd been oppressed, you know, he's like, my race has been oppressed for years and years. How can I liberate them? And when you look at it from that point of view, you're like, yeah, I can see why you're doing what you're doing. I don't necessarily agree with the way you're doing it. Um, but I would say Spider-Man would be in my top five. Um, no way home. It would, it would be, it, I don't know if I could put it as a number, but it would be in my top five. I think number one would definitely be Infinity War. I'm not really counting into the Spider-Verse because it's technically a Sony movie. It's not, but if it, if that's it's a good point, it is a Sony, it's a Sony film. It's not an MCU film. Okay. Yeah. But if that were in the conversation, it would be a tough, it would, it would be that and infinity War would be my top two. Um, I'd say the only other one that really comes close is just the original Iron Man. I think, I think that one is just stands the test of time and it's, I, I firmly believe that if you can take the superhero aspect out of one of the Marvel movies and have an amazing story left over, then it's a great movie. And I feel like Iron Man is sort of someone learning, man, I've just had blinders on and I've been privileged and, and blind by, to all these problems in the world. And I've gone through an experience that made me realize I have a bigger responsibility than just turning, a turning my shoulder and not caring. So I would say those are, those are some of my my uh my favorite ones and sort of the reasons why but i would definitely put no way home in my top five okay yeah and i i think you made a good point with iron man i think that's why batman is my favorite villain of, our favorite uh hero of all time it's because mm -hmm. he's human you know there's nothing there's yeah. nothing special about him you know besides the fact that he learns how to fight and he's wealthy to so get his own gear so similar to iron man mm -hmm. and and he felt the need he's like this city's crappy and i feel like i have i have a responsibility because a my parents helped build this city and b it's really bad how it is so i feel like i need to think yeah so, you like that like human aspect of a hero um ranking wise yeah 2021 i think it was the best film of the year um spider-man mm -hmm. wise i do think it's number one i i had a hard time with tossing that up with into the spider-verse i do think into the spider-verse is right there number two that they, they did something that i didn't think anybody could do and they made an animated film that's not anime because i know anime has this but 
they made an, a, just a standard animated film so approachable from any age. So whether yeah. you're a child or whether you're an adult or whether you're an older adult, like you can watch this film and appreciate everything they had going on. And mm -hmm. I thought that was, ex they did an exceptional job. And so um, I'd say the Spider-Mans, I'd say Spider-Man No Way Home, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then I, I love Spider-Man 2. I think Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock was so well made. And mm -hmm. I do like the Green Goblin as a villain better than Doc Ock, but I think they made that film all together really well. Um, I like that. I kind of don't like the Uncle Ben story at the beginning, so I like that that yeah. film didn't have to start with it. And um, I thought, so the third Tobey Maguire film, I felt like they rushed a lot of things and they kind of shoved a bunch of villains. And then the first one had the Uncle Ben and the start. And with some hero films, I like it, but in that one, I wasn't a huge fan. And then the second one was just like prime Spider-Man, you know, prime Doc Ock. And I like that. So I'd say that's probably my top three. I mean, No Way Home was just, it, it mixed, you know, logistics of a film and nostalgia. And that's just a difficult, you know, that's a difficult film. Um, Marvel wise, I think I have to have Infinity Wars one. Uh, it was just, it, it's a darker film and I like that. They brought in a darker mm -hmm. aspect to a superhero film and most superhero films are so predictable. And this is why I liked, I like the the one and two movie aspect. You make a part film, you could do some dark things in the first film so that you could redeem it in the second one. Right. And I felt like if they did that with Spider-Man, they would have been able to make it even more real and a little bit more emotional. And that's totally fine that they didn't. But I think with Infinity War and Endgame, Endgame wasn't that great to me because it was so predictable. You know exactly yep. what's going to happen. I mean, it was enjoyable. I still enjoyed the film, but exactly right. what's going to happen because you just saw the dark moments. While in Infinity War, it's all kind of unexpected. Um, so I, I think I'd have to put Infinity War, but I think this one is number two. And then Iron Man, I'd put number three. Um, I do also think Iron Man 1 is just... It's a staple. It's a staple to mm -hmm. what they do and, and how they made everything um, start. And so that would probably be my rankings. Um, I am curious for your thought on this because now that there's no Iron Man, now that Captain America's not there, and I know it might bring him back in some sort of facet down the road, but would, do you think Spider-Man is Marvel's biggest character now, or do you think there's somebody else? Like, not necessarily just story-wise, but also like fan-wise, like movie-wise, like who's the biggest name in the MCU right now? I think it's always been Spider-Man. I think I think Iron Man, really? Captain always. America. Yeah, well, for two reasons. One, um, because Spider-Man came first, right? Like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man came out. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man came out. And then they started doing the MCU and, you know, Iron Man came out and Captain America and Thor and these guys. But, you know, Spider-Man got a big head start and came out years before these other movies came out. And so for that, and, and there's also just been so many versions of Spider-Man. You know, you've got obviously the three franchises that got tied together in No Way Home. You've got Into the Spider-Verse. Um, you've got, there's been multiple cartoons, like TV shows, stuff like that. So I think... I think most people, I think as far as one singular hero, like Batman is probably the biggest one in general. Um, Batman, Superman's a pretty popular one. 
Um, but I think Spider-Man, uh, the other reason why is um, I was watching an interview with Stan Lee and he said, you know what, one of the best things that we did about Spider-Man, he's like, and it wasn't on purpose, but he, he's the only, one of the only characters that wears a full like suit. So you can't see anything about him. He's like, and the, and the amazing thing about that is he could be any race. He could look like anyone. He could be anyone, and he could be you. He's like, and anyone can identify with Spider-Man because when he's wearing the suit, there's nothing to distinguish him from anybody else. Um, and he's like, that's what makes Spider-Man the best character we've created. So um, I think for that specific reason, people can identify with Spider-Man because not everyone, you know, is is as bulky as you know Captain America or Thor, or not as like doesn't have all this technology like, you know, Tony Stark or all these other heroes. They all have some specific skill or they look a certain way that people may not identify with. But I think the fact that Spider-Man just could be anyone. Um, and that's also a big message in Into the Spider-Verse is like, we're all, we all can be Spider-Man kind of, I, again, another reason why I love that film. But I think that's why Spider-Man is so big and so relatable because he's a person with a ton of problems that anyone can relate to. And I think that's what makes him the biggest name in Marvel. Or or he's a pig with many problems. You know, it just depends on uh, which spider character <laughs> John you're looking at, right? John Mulaney <laughs> and he's hungry. I, as you were talking about Spider-Man, and it all made sense, you know, and Batman being the biggest superhero character, period. I also think because, A, we're both young, I mm-hmm. think a lot of our perception also probably comes from the amount of screen performances we've seen, both animated and live action. Because think about it, Batman Batman has had, I mean, he's had a live action movie from, you know, back in what, 60s, and then he's had many animated shows and then many live performances. Same with Spider-Man, same with Superman. And Mm -hmm. so I think those characters are staples because of how many performances they have, both animated and live action. Right. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not dissing that. I, that kind of proves the logic behind it because Batman's mm-hmm. my favorite character and I grew up on the Michael Keaton Batmans. So I think of Michael Keaton, I think of George Clooney, I think of Val Kilmer, I think of Christian yep. Bale, you know, now for Pattinson and Ben Affleck, unfortunately. But there's so many, <laughs> <laughs> so many portrayals of Batman and I, it doesn't even get me started with the animated, you know, the animated Batmans, which were phenomenal, you know, with Mark oh, yeah. Hamill as the Joker. And so I think you made a good point. And I think that's what probably dictates the top three best superheroes of all time is the amount of screen performances that they've had. Yeah, I think if you started with a clean slate and released all superhero movies for the first time at the same time, I think that would change things, honestly. I think Captain America mm-hmm. would probably be probably be the Marvel favorite, but I think, you know, he's, he's an, I think he's kind of a boring character for most of the Marvel series, just because he's, he's always moral right, you know, whatever you want to define that as. So uh, I think, you know, Spider-Man has problems and he has, you know, issues and he's not, he doesn't have a perfect life. And I think, you know, obviously that's true for everyone. So I think that's yeah. another big relatable thing. It's like, Hey, I've got problems. He's got problems. You know, I can identify with, you know, not being able to pay my rent or having homework or, you know, my friends don't get into college or, you know, getting an apartment, you know, that's all stuff we go through every day. And so I think, and, and to kind of bring it back to no way home. I think 
it it maintains sort of those real life problems you know it's like oh i go to school and you know i go to you know get an apartment and i have to you know live with someone else and i have to you know get around town and i don't have money and i'm broke and you know all this stuff it's just like yeah you know we've all been there you know we we can identify with that stuff and i think i honestly think that i'm the most excited to see tom holland after this film i think you mentioned this earlier but he's matured as as an actor too but as spider-man he's matured to the point where i think he's going to be potentially he might he might be the best spider-man going forward um out of the three but i think now that they've kind of cleaned the slate set him up to sort of be what he needs to be um i think it's going to be really exciting to see what what he sort of becomes going forward well that leads to my my last question that i have for you man because they this movie has been talked about for a year and a half if not longer like at least mm-hmm. they've been trying to get leaks out of the film probably bigger than any movie i've ever experienced like the amount of leaks they've been trying to get about Hobie Maguire and Andrew Garfield and the amount of interviews they've had with Andrew Garfield and trying to pry it out of him. I They did so much to go as big as possible and they succeeded. And I'm genuinely, you have a prediction for how they could go bigger than they just did MCU. Mm, no, I don't think, I think, I mentioned this earlier, but I think the biggest two moments in the MCU in the past couple well in all of it that since they've started with Iron Man I think the Thanos snap at the end of Infinity War the bringing everyone back and at the end of Endgame and then you know this movie bringing back Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield William Defoe, Alfred Molina, all these characters Jamie Foxx, I think those moments are so few and far between and it takes so much time. This is something that always just amazes me is just how much time it takes to create a moment, whether that's in real life, you know, to just say the statement, like I graduated college or I got this job, you know, it's one sentence, but it's taken you years to make that sentence. And I think in these movies, it took them years to create these, you know, two, two and a half hour experiences. Um, and I think somewhere down the line, they'll probably do another big collab, you know, with some of the current heroes they have, you know, the Doctor Stranges and the Ant-Mans and those guys, they'll, they'll bring them back for some, some team-ups and things like that. But I, I don't see, I mean, even with the Infinity War and Endgame, I think, you know, those, those were so big because they had built to that. It was sort of expected, right? You know, and, Avengers, Endgame, Avengers, Infinity War, we all sort of were like, okay, you know, they're going to bring everyone together and have this big fight. But I think the thing about this one was it wasn't really, it's not something we saw coming. It's not like everyone was like, oh yeah, in the future, they're going to bring all these guys together and do a Spider-Verse crossover. So I think, I think that's what makes it unique. And I think that's what makes it special. Um, And I honestly don't think that there's going to be anything like this for a while, because it's going to take time to create another moment like that but that's a good point i think they have i i first of all i completely agree i don't i honestly don't think ever match the scale now but 20 years Mm -hmm. from now they might say oh now we have the pieces in place right um i do i do think they have major characters that they need to introduce into the mcu Mm -hmm. 
So Miles Morales, I think, is a huge character. Um, I think Miles Morales is going to be a major, major point of emphasis for them. I think it'd be really interesting to introduce Harry Osborn um, and see what they do with, you know, a Harry and and what they do with a Gwen Stacy, because they haven't introduced those two characters at all. Um, Villain-wise, I don't know what they're going to do with Venom, if they're going to do a Venom or if they're just going to do like an evil Spider-Man. I don't know, like with the symbiote. And so, like, I'm, I'm curious to know if they do bring in a Venom, I'm very intrigued to see who they bring as the MCU Venom. I don't want to see Tom Hardy in the MCU. as just personal preference. I don't think he's MCU Venom. He's very much a Sony-type character. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm intrigued to see if they do that. Um, but it's hard to imagine. Oh, I guess I, I, sh- I should say... One thing that might match this, and it would, it would be in like five to 10 years, is if they do something with Robert Downey Jr. coming back as Iron Man. I think that would be because of their relationship in MCU, I think would bring audiences to awe and you know to react on screen five to 10 years from now. Right now, I think we'd be like, all right, you're kind of pushing it. You're making it too quick. You bring them back. He left. You know, He had a great end in Endgame. But I think five to 10 years from that nostalgia kicks in again. And you're like, oh, it'd be so cool to see Robert Downey Jr. take up the mantle of Iron Man again in some way, shape or form. And so I don't know how they would do it, but yeah, I, I think don't either. that could, that could be, I mean, dude, multiverse has now opened up so many doors and I, I better not see Tom Cruise jump in as Iron Man or else I'm going to be very upset. But I've heard many rumors about that. Um, but I don't think they can make a film bigger than this. Not now, maybe in 10 to 20 years. And I'm excited to see what they do with it. Well, and the interesting thing is, uh, the next big villain, the next, the Thanos of this next phase is Kang. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Kang is basically, Kang is just blows my mind because basically what he did was he's from the future. He went into the past and conquered different timelines. And then he basically duplicated himself and sent those copies to to dominate and conquer other timelines. So that's the only, I mean, now that we're dealing with the multiverse and different timelines, obviously Loki touched on this, but that does open it up for like a Robert Downey Jr. to show up. It opens the door for, you know, X-Men, you know, Hugh Jackman's X-Men world to show up. Um, I don't think anyone misses the Fantastic Four, but I know they're doing an, a new iteration of that, But which is a shame to, because Fantastic Four is such a big brand in Marvel, but they've just completely butchered the previous attempts to make it. I will say, though, I am a little bit optimistic because John Watts, who directed all three MCU Spider-Mans, is, he's the one writing and directing Fantastic Four. Oh, so I think this new I, one will I, be way better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think there's hope. the The second iteration of it, so yeah, the newest one, I guess you could say, was so so bad. I can't express how bad they made that film. And so they, yeah. they can't go down from there. There's a lot of upside, but um, I think MCU will do a lot better job than uh, was it was it Sony or Fox? I can't remember which which group they were a part of. I think it was Sony. Okay. Yeah, they'll do better than Sony for sure. Yeah, I think I think as far as big moments, uh, I think X Men's the next big leap. Um, if 
they can bring in X-Men in some way. I don't know if they're going to try to port all those actors over from the previous, you know, storyline or if they're going to just make a new one. I don't know if, you know, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and, you know, Hugh Jackman want to rehash this all because obviously bringing in X-Men means they've got to make another, you know, six, seven, eight movies probably with some sort of appearance. So they might just clear the board and start over with new X-Men which would be fine, but I think that's, that would be a really interesting universe to explore. Um, obviously, Fantastic Four is coming in. And Marvel's got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. You know, they've, they've announced all these things coming out, TV shows, movies, things like that. So it's obviously all building to some big Kang showdown at the end. You know, the end game and the Infinity War of this phase will be really interesting, but I think... You know, they, there is potential to bring back, you know, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, you know, all these characters and, and have a big showdown with different timelines overlapping. But like you said, that's years away. They're going to have to do a lot of building to get there and make it feel like it's, you know, a big moment. But exactly, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to yeah. see what they bring. I mean, overall, I'd say to anybody who hasn't seen the film, I apologize that you just heard all the spoilers, <laughs> but you should definitely go see it. Um, to anybody who has seen it, I mean, I'm always curious, and I, I, I know people say this on podcasts and whatnot, but I'd love people to just message me and tell me their thoughts about film because it, it's such a conversation piece that I enjoy so much that if you have a thought and you're like, hey, um, I definitely think that you were wrong on this, and here's my thought process. Please yeah. reach out to either of us. We were actually going to have a, a, a guest jump on with us today. He he had some controversial thoughts about Spider-Man. I was excited about it. You know, I, I wanted yeah. to, to hear them and we'll, we'll bring on, you know, different people as we move forward. But we, we admire that, you know, Roger, I feel like I'm speaking for you as well, but you know, we admire any type of thought process that goes into film, into, you know, individual movies, the film industry. And so never hesitate to reach out and let us know your thoughts or reach out and, you know, see if you want to hop on one of our podcasts. I mean, we'd be more than happy to have you. Yeah, honestly, this isn't, you know, I think mo we've been mostly positive with our thoughts on, on these episodes so far, but I think that, you know, don't, don't get the misconception that we are just here to be positive and only share, you know, things about that we love, you know, we're definitely open to being critical and just hearing like honest, you know, just straightforward thoughts, you know, that's, that's why we call it without a mic, right? It's just a conversation that you would have sitting, you know, at around a, a table with a friend chatting about this stuff. That's sort of what we're going for is an authentic conversation that just happens to be recorded and put out there as a podcast. So, you know, let us know your thoughts. And, and like we said, if, if, you know, we'd love to have people on to, to bring in new ideas and new points of view and just enrich the conversation and it, it makes us better. We we're we're just giving our opinions. We don't have right answers or wrong answers necessarily. It's just just opinions and thoughts on, on our minds. So, you know, that's really what we're striving for. And, and this year, uh, we will be putting out two episodes per month. I think this is a good kind of just quick preview of what we have coming up. Um, Spencer and I talked about this, but we're going to do one main review each month. And then we're going to have a smaller uh, episode released uh, during the month that sort of goes over updates, news, you know, little snippets, tidbits about, you know, movies we're excited for or things like that. So 
Um, stay tuned. That episode will come out later this month and it'll sort of be like a little news preview, you know, what's going on in the movie industry, movie world. Um, and that's something that I think will benefit both of us and, and also anyone else who, who wants to hear sort of what's going on and what they can look forward to. Yeah, we appreciate everybody hopping on and listening. And yeah, like Roger said, stay tuned, you know, for all the film reviews that we do, but also the film updates, because I know everybody wants to be in the now with, you know, this hobby, this, you know, interest that people have. And we're excited to talk about it. So uh, we'll, we'll see you guys later uh, for the next podcast going on. But have a great evening and have a great year heading into 2022. Thank you, everyone. Have a great year and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.